All right. Well, let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've been keeping it practical on Wednesday nights, the last few Wednesday nights around the holidays. We've dealt with some practical uh, situations, like or even just answering some practical questions, uh, like should, Christ, could, should Christians celebrate Christmas? That's a question that Christians have uh, discussed, maybe debated throughout the years, and Christians today still fall out on different sides of it. Uh, we talked about Romans 14. <clears throat> Uh, that basically says, he that regardeth the day, regardeth it to the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth regard it. And we went into that whole thing, all the ins and outs of where Christmas came from and various issues, concerns, and I told you where I stand. And uh, we do, obviously, you know, we, <laughs> the cat's out of the bag, uh, where we stand with that. But we need to be able to deal with these things graciously with one another. We need to be able to talk as brothers and sisters in Christ. And most importantly, what the Bible says, uh, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And, and uh, we need to know what the Bible says. We need to be fully persuaded and recognize that we're doing whatever we're doing as unto the Lord, for the Lord. And it's hard for us to uh, sometimes acknowledge that we're not going to all end up in the exact same seat on every issue. You know, if I believe it and I hold it, then everybody else should, right? Well, not in this church on any issue. I'll tell you that right now. We have people uh, all over the place on all sorts of issues, and it's okay. Uh, it keeps us all humble, and it keeps us all, uh, hopefully, going back to the Word of God. And I think it's a tremendous thing that Christians can get along with many different variances, differences as far as how someone might see a particular thing, but we're all seeking to go to the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit lead us, and recognize that the Holy Spirit may lead me to do something that He doesn't lead you to do. And that's not uh, double talk. That's not inconsistency. The Holy Spirit knows what I need, and He knows what you need, and it's not always the same thing. All right? So we looked at that question. We also talked about how to keep peace at Christmas time. I don't know if that was help to anybody. Uh, Christmas came and went. Uh, hopefully you didn't blow everything up with the in-laws. <laughs> but hey, you're trying to be practical these days. And uh, there can be drama at Christmas with family and friends and emotions and memories and guilt. A lot of times people bring a lot of guilt back home uh, at these Christmas gatherings. And so we talked about how to navigate some of those things. Uh, tonight, <clears throat> we're looking at uh, just a very practical question. How can I decide what is right for me? Not necessarily talking about Christmas or Christmas time now, just staying in the vein of navigating practical life choices and uh, asking this question, what is right for me and how can I find a biblical path forward. All right, 1 Corinthians 10, I believe, helps us, and we'll pick it up in verse 23. <clears throat> all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, teenagers, before you got, put your hand in your buddy's pocket, God said, seek another man's wealth, you know, don't do that. He's talking about your welfare, all right? Now, the wealth here is someone else's welfare. It's funny how you can take scriptures however you want, if you really want to, right? 
Uh, but it's saying that don't just seek your own welfare, seek the welfare of other people. And that's what that verse is saying. Let no man seek his own, not just your own interests, but every man and others' wealth. You should have their welfare in mind. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What he's saying here is this, that you go to the market Someone's selling you a meatloaf, and you buy it because you got it on sale. And then you think, oh, wait, should I eat this? Should I not? I don't know. This may have come from the idolater's temple, and maybe I shouldn't eat this. He says, eat it. Eat it and enjoy it. Uh, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness, it's all from him. Uh, so asking no question for conscience sake. Don't let your conscience shut you down in that situation. We're talking about meatloaf, friend. We don't care about the idol it may, it may have been offered to. But if you're enjoying that meatloaf, if any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Okay, so if you, if you buy something on sale at the, at the market, eat it. If you go to this unbeliever's house for a meal and he sets before you, meat, and since he's an unbeliever, you don't know where he got this. It could have come from the idol's temple. That's what it was in Corinthians. That's what they're dealing with, a lot of idolatry. He says, eat it. Don't ask any question. It's all, it's all the Lord's, right? If any, but if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice to the idols, eat not for his sake that showed it and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. So he's saying here, we know there's nothing wrong with this meatloaf. And if we're just eating it at home, we're going to eat it at home and we're not going to post it on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> By the way, did you know you don't have to post everything on Facebook? Did you know that? Okay. <clears throat> and you're not being a hypocrite. It's just, you know, that maybe this could be misunderstood. What I'm doing here in this situation, I know what I'm doing. God knows what I'm doing. But I don't need to put this out there. There may be a, a brother who comes from a different walk of life that this could be a confusion to him. Uh, so anyway, he says, if you're eating at home, fine. If you're eating it at your unsaved buddy's how, a feast, eat it. But if another guy says, hey, 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 brother Barber, oh, I'm so glad I saw you. You're eating meatloaf that I know came from the temple of idolatry itself. At that point, for this guy's sake, and because this has now become an issue, now I don't need to eat the meatloaf at this time. We're going to keep a bigger perspective, and the bigger perspective is, I love this brother, and I don't have enough time right here in front of my, my friend at this feast to give him a whole discourse on why this is all fine and everything's good, and go ahead, eat it. The idols aren't real, and blah, blah, blah. We're just going to not hurt this guy. We're going to move on, and I'll be eating the rabbit food, you know, the carrots and the celery and all that stuff, I guess. There goes the meatloaf. Bummer. Uh, but we keep reading. <clears throat> he says, conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. Now he asks a question that we're all thinking. Why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Now there we go. This one resounds to our ears because in 2023, it's all about me and my self-expression and my entitlement and you're not going to make a doormat out of me. I have my rights, and this is my life. And that's what everybody uh, sings, that song, today. 
you do you and let the haters hate. But if they really are your friend, they'll let you do whatever you want to do, whatever, okay. Why should my conscience be judged of another man's conscience? For if by grace, if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? That's a good question. It's, it's God in his grace that provided this, and it's God that I'm giving thanks to for providing this, and it was really, really tasty, and I'm really glad to have this, and now I'm going to push away from this? Yes. Why? Because, as we've said before in other messages, <clears throat> brotherly love should always be prioritized over my own liberty. If I love a brother and I'm not wanting to cause undue offense, I can bow out of certain entitlements because I love this guy or this, this lady more than I love myself and my entitlements. Brotherly love trumps Christian liberty. Uh, but Christian liberty, we believe in. All right? We believe in that. And I'm not saying that this is what would happen every single time. I believe, hey, there we go. He's out. <laughs> hey, that, Carl, you know what? I was in a church where the kid came down this aisle, went around, and then up the center aisle. Nursery workers freaking out. It was great. <clears throat> so that was pretty good, Carl. Uh, so you, you've got... You, you've got this situation unfolding, but it may not always unfold this way. In other words, this happens once. Then maybe you take that guy aside and you open the Word of God and you begin to teach. You begin to instruct. You begin to talk and converse. This is a snapshot, 1 Corinthians 10. This is not saying your Christian liberty is at the mercy of every single person ever for always. End of story. Bah. No, not necessarily. We're talking about a snapshot in time. Does that make sense? We live life scenario by scenario. But we're also growing, and hopefully everybody's growing. And this individual here needs to grow. And so the next time you go to the feast, this other fella may not speak up. Go ahead and eat it, right? All right, so uh, give none offense. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's a great verse. How many of you memorized that at some point in your life? 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that's one we've memorized. If you've been at all in Sunday school, that was one of them. Whatever you're doing, if you're eating, if you're drinking, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. It's not for you and your entitlement and your rights and whatever. No, we love the Lord and we love those for whom he died. And there's a bigger picture here that is at stake in the glory of God. Christians sometimes come to me and ask, hey, pastor, pastor, I got a question for you. Can I do this and this and this? And I already know they want me to say yes. So the deck is already stacked. And sometimes you, you, you just sense a little edge. And especially, uh, so the last three churches, the pastor would say I couldn't. Okay, so you're setting me up for uh, a swing and a miss here. Um, 
you know, obviously I know what you want me to say, but can we just back up and not make it about me and not make it about you? Let's make it about the glory of God and what he's trying to do on this earth with people uh, that are broken in various walks of life. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, <clears throat> neither to Jews nor to Gentiles, those who are within, those who were without, nor to the church of God. See, they were dealing with their church, their people, and those who are not, uh, who, who are not welcome by many Jews, all right, the outsiders. And they, this would have been interesting to their ears to hear this, give no offense to Gentiles? I didn't think we cared about Gentiles. Yes, we do. We care about Gentiles. Why? We keep reading, we'll find out. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So how I conduct my life is also to be conducive to the preaching of the gospel as opposed to a stumbling block to the preaching of the gospel. Now, verse 32, I'm sorry, verse 33 can be troubling for us. Even as I please all men in all things, wait a minute, I thought I heard some preaching somewhere not to be man pleasers. Didn't we hear preaching somewhere about that? I shouldn't please men, but God. And wait, wasn't that Paul that said that? Yeah, Paul actually wrote about that and this. We're not talking about pleasing men in the sense of the fear of man and bowing to men and cowering. What will they think of me? What will they think of me? We're thinking in terms of their conscience on an issue that is a delicate matter. We're wanting to not offend these individuals as the gospel is being hopefully laid out to them. We're seeking to please them in that sense, not that we're trying to go headlong into man-pleasing. We'll say more about that in a little bit. All right. Let's, let's look at this. I, I've got four tests to help us with the answer for the question, how can I decide what is right for me? All right? Number one, <clears throat> we have the lawful test. Is it lawful? Straight from your text, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things that I not. This is the first place we go when we're asking about a certain thing. Can I do a certain activity? Yes or no? Well, is it lawful or is it not? Is there a thus saith the Lord? Is there a thou shalt not? This makes it a lot easier, like when God says, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not kill. That's unlawful, right? So that gets really easy. Uh, in this passage before us, in chapter 10, we have a lot of discussion about some things that are unlawful. Verse 7, and I don't have all these verses on the, on the screen, but if you have your Bible in front of you, verse 7, he talks about idolaters and how idolatry is not lawful. All right, you've got verse 8, fornication is not lawful. Verse 9 Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed in the serpents uh, of serpents. Uh, tempting God is not lawful. He's not on trial. We are not to be tempting him and testing him and provoking him, right? Not lawful. 
How about number uh, verse 10? Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, no murmuring. So these are things that are easy to figure out, right? All the way through the scripture, these things are spoken against. There's, th there's lawful things and there are unlawful things. <clears throat> what about verse 12? Wherefore, let a man, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Pride is not lawful. So there are things that are not lawful. There's direct commands that are not hard to understand. They're simple, straightforward, not necessarily easy to obey, but simple and straightforward. Okay. Uh, in this text, he's saying, though all things are lawful, now he's, he's talking about uh, specifically with like meats offered unto idols. He said, this is actually lawful. This is lawful for me to eat this. And he talks about this in several different passages, not just here, Romans as well and so forth. Um, but uh, <clears throat> the matter is this. There are certain things that are lawful, but it doesn't mean we should do them. Now, there's a bummer. Man, what kind of games are we playing here? Just make it black and right. It's lawful or unlawful, and we move on. Well, it's actually not that simple. There's lawful and unlawful. Lawful, unlawful things are always wrong. Lawful things may not always be the best things. Hey, let's go to some extremes here. It's lawful to commit abortion in America. If you just go to the civil law, that's not lawful to commit abortion according to God's law. Uh, it's lawful to do all kinds of drugs. There's all kinds of drugs that are legal now. You can't drive on 23 without seeing billboard after billboard after billboard about where to get high. And it's all, it's all legal. But you know what? There's some things that are lawful according to the Word of God that maybe you wouldn't do because of love for a brother. There are some things that maybe we wouldn't do, like in this case, I, I'm, I'm calling it meatloaf. You know I made that up, right? Okay, meat. He doesn't eat the meat, not because it wasn't lawful, but because it wasn't expedient in that situation. So we have number two, the expediency test. The expediency test, expediency simply means what is best. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Expediency also has the idea of that which brings us together, that which is best, that which is profitable, advantageous, or appropriate. There could be lawful things that are not the best thing for a given situation or a given individual. Philippians 1.10 <clears throat> says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. This is what we're supposed to do, folks. We're supposed to be looking for the excellent choice. Why is it that many of us aren't interested in the most excellent choice? We just want the choice that will get us by. Hey, preacher, if I do this, is this sin? Is that the right question? Is that where we should really start that conversation? Uh, how far can I go with my girlfriend uh, and not be like in trouble with God? Okay, we can talk about that. Let's definitely talk about that. But is that the best way to start that question? Uh, that, you know, how far can I go with my girlfriend before I'm in trouble with God? The question we ought to be asking is, 
what does God want for me in this situation? What does God want for my girlfriend? What is the best for her, the best for me, the best uh, representation of who he is? What glorifies him the most? That's a little bit better way of going about it. And if we are Christians who say we love God, then maybe we ought to even ask our questions in a way that demonstrates our love for God. I don't oftentimes have someone come to me and say, hey, what's the best thing I could do here? It's usually, where can I squeak through? And I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me look at the legal, the legal document here, and oh, we found a loophole. Here we go. <laughs> That's not what this is. This is not legalese. All right. Again, just because there's nothing wrong with it or technically lawful doesn't mean it's expedient for me or those impacted by my life. Number three. We have the edification test. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Not everything, not everything edifies. What does edify mean? It means to build up. It's constructive. It means to promote growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, and blessedness, as one author put it. Promoting growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, and blessedness. That's edification. That'll help us, won't it, as we're taking a test over a certain question. In fact, I wonder, I wonder if there's some here who have a certain question on your heart right now. Maybe you've been talking to your parents, young people, Maybe you've been talking to a spouse. I wonder, I wonder what we should do about this. Is this really right? Is this really God's best? I wonder, well, maybe God will help you with that. Is it lawful? Is it expedient? Is it edifying? <clears throat> Does it build others up? Now, here's where we get selfish again, because our 2023 self has learned by our culture to stick up for number one. And so, why should I care if it edifies? This is my life, pal. It's not your life. Why does my life have to build you up? I don't even like you. You know, in fact, I kind of want to tear you down. And it's America. I have a, it's a free country. I have a right to tear you down. Well, maybe you do. But this is why we are citizens of another country just living here as strangers and pilgrims. We're just passing through. We don't really fit here. We don't fit here. And if you fit too well, God's going to have to come shake you up a little bit. I just read in my devotions this morning, Haggai. Anybody read Haggai recently? Okay, if you read through the Bible, you're probably in Haggai about now, if you're doing Old Testament and New Testament. You know what God did to those people? He shook them up. He said, you're dwelling in your nice, perfect houses. Everything's great, and you've let my house go to waste and yet you, I sent you here to build my house. He had to shake him up. God has to do that to us. You know, we need to be shaken up, and we need to be thinking about more than just us. Yes, my life is supposed to edify other people. I am supposed to take an interest in other people. I'm a Christian, a Christ follower. Christ loved people so much, he left heaven, came to earth, and died for people. That's the epitome of edification, building others up. He built them a bridge to heaven. 
We should be concerned about the welfare of others and the impact we have on them. And that's that verse we read uh, a moment ago, that we are to not just seek our own, but every man another's wealth, another's welfare. We should be thinking about edification and how does my life impact their foundations of faith? Does my life help to strengthen and undergird the foundations of their faith? Or does my life put cracks and compromise in their foundation of faith? Again, someone's going to say, this just sounds like I'm going to be looking over my shoulder my whole life. I can't live this way. It sounds like man-pleasing. Every time I go out of my house, I have to worry about Oh, is there someone whose conscience is going to be provoked by something I'm doing or saying? I can't live my life this way. No, you can't live your life that way. You're not supposed to live your life that way. That's not what it's saying. It is saying that when you come into a situation where it is brought to your attention, where there is an offense or a grievance with another brother, or it could even be a Gentile, or in in our case, someone who is unsaved, on the outskirts, you might say, and they're troubled by something that we're doing, we should care. We should care. And we should seek to present ourselves in a way that is unquestionable. Now remember, we're all so different, there's no way any of us could strike it perfectly all the time. You focus on walking with the Lord in accordance with His Word with a heart that wants to hear and wants to obey, not looking for loopholes and this and that. If you're looking to please the Lord, that'll take care of a lot of it. And then just having a sensitive heart where when you recognize there's an offense here with this individual that I care about, you don't brush that off, you take that seriously. While we're not to live our lives fearing man or seeking to please men, we are expected to live our lives seeking to edify and build up our fellow men. We're always about one of two things, either building people up or tearing them down. So the context again, verse 24, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Verse 29, conscience I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Uh, Verse 32, give none offense, whether to Jews or Gentiles, nor the church of God. Verse 33, even as I please all men in all things not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Folks, this is a selfless view of life. And so, you say, boy, that question we asked at the beginning is a little bit loaded. The question started with, how can I decide what's right for me? And now all of a sudden, it's loaded with, I have to care about other people? Well, yes, because none of us live in a vacuum Every single one of us are interacting with other people all the time. And so when I'm deciding what's right for me, I have to contextualize that question in the sphere that God's put me. I need to care about that. I do it with my wife and kids. There may be some things that, in fact, my wife reminds me of this all the time. I will, I'll say something funny, at least I think it's funny, the kids think it's funny. My wife will say, "Hun, now watch what you just started. 
And sure enough, the kids said, oh, Dad can be goofy and say this and that. Well, here we go. And, oh, there it goes. You know, and uh, so, yeah, I do have to rein in my own tongue. Maybe there's something I could have said and got away with it. It would have been really funny. But I have to think, yeah, I got a lot of image. Well, I have a lot of developing <laughs> kids around me who don't have the same discernment. And if I take something a certain direction, they will, off it goes. So I'm going to rein myself in. And how did I decide what was right for me? I decided what was right for me in that moment by saying this probably wouldn't be good for the kids. And so we're going to go a different direction. That's not shackles. That's not terrible. It's, it's, it's being... It's living a life within context of where God puts you with the people that you care about or should care about, the people that he cares about. How about that? The edification test. Number four, we've got to move quick. The take it or leave it test. Well, where is that in here? Well, we have to go to the parallel passage. We had, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 10 and verse, uh, which one was it now? Hang on. Yeah, verse, verse uh, 23. All things are lawful, all things are not expedient. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Now we're looking at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. And let's read it. It's on the screen. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but... Oh, here's the change. I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 1 Corinthians 6... Uh, sorry, 10, 23 are almost the same verse with that one phrase changed. So I wanted to put it in here. So that's the take it or leave it test. In other words, this. If, if it controls you, dominates you, or if you have to do it, or you have to have it, this compulsion involved, it's probably not of God. But if you can take it or leave it, that's a good sign. That's a good sign that you're not controlled by it. So question, has anything brought you under its power? <clears throat> then you can't take it or leave it. You're under its power. Have you lost control in the situation? Well, there you need maybe somebody else to help you answer that because a lot of us, we are self-deceived. Oh, I'm totally in control. I can, quit. I can quit whenever I want. I can quit whenever I want. And everybody around you is going, mm, no, no. Oh, I can take it or leave it. Eh, can you? Is there a degree of compulsion involved? Teens? Oh, my friends are doing it. I have to do it too. I have to do it. We have to do it. Oh, my friends got it for Christmas. I'm the only one who didn't get it for Christmas. My, my friends are going to think that I'm weird. And we're like compelled to get this thing, whatever it is. It might be lawful. It might be fine, but you should take it or leave it. You shouldn't be controlled by anything. Nothing. You're a free child of God, bought and paid for with his blood. Nothing controls you. We should be free, free to be who we are, secure in where we are, who we are in Christ. And I don't care if all my friends are doing it. I don't need it. My parents didn't get it for me for Christmas. Fine, they still love me. It's, it's fine. If I don't get it, all my friends will think I'm weird. 
or we have to go there, everyone else is going there, we have to do this activity, everyone else is doing this activity, I just have to have it. I will not be brought under the power of any helps me to know whether or not this thing should be in my life or not. God's children are not slaves. Is the Holy Spirit control? Then we don't need compulsions. Starve compulsions. Nothing and no one can bear rule but the Holy Spirit. All right, we have one God, and this whole passage in chapter 10 was all about idolatry. That's the central theme. Idolatry brings you under the power of something other than your God, so can you take it or leave it? This is a good indication of where your heart is on the matter. If you're surrendered to the Lord, you can take it or leave it. Isn't it great to just be surrendered and all of a sudden you're free? I mean, I, I, I remember, I, I keep going back to so many times my testimony about how I came here, but I got to bring it up again. I battled and battled and battled, and I loved our itinerant life. I loved being on the road, preaching at different places, and I was just holding on to it. But I knew God seemed to be leading us this direction. And I remember when I surrendered it, all of a sudden I could take it or leave it. And that, you, that blew my mind. How can something I love so much now be take it or leave it? Because it's surrendered. All right? Uh, if you have no fear of man, you can take it or leave it. If you only li live to please God, you can take it or leave it. If you love your brothers and sisters more than your rights and entitlements, you can take it or leave it. Final applications. <clears throat> we might go a minute or two over here. Final applications. What does this action or decision mean to those around me that I'm seeking to influence for the gospel. So you've got a question that you're pondering. Should I wear this article of clothing? Well, what does this action mean to those around me that I'm seeking to influence with the gospel? What does it mean to those in my church that I love and worship with? What does it mean to my parents whom I'm seeking to honor and obey? You know, these are questions that are legitimate questions. Now, in the world in which we live, we've been trained to ignore all those questions. You don't ask any questions about other people. It's your life, and you do what you want, and you only live once, and no one has any right to tell you. Blah, 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 blah. That's not Christian. That's just not Christian. That's not how Christians think. We do care about other people, not because we're trying to please them, but because we're trying to love them. So what does this action communicate? Uh, secondly, what does this action decision mean to those that I love? Is it confusing? Am I sending a mixed message? Am I, am I sending a mixed message? I know what I am trying to say, but I'm not conveying that based on uh, what I'm doing. Everybody has standards, everybody has, has codes, of, codes of conduct, even unsaved people who don't even care about God have standards and codes of conduct. And so we have as well. And we, we talk about these things all the time. How should I dress? Where should I go? What kind of entertainment's okay? 
tattoos or no tattoos, necklaces, no necklaces, shorts, no shorts, this kind of article of clothing, that kind of article of clothing, places that will go or not go. Well, you, you, you don't have all those things printed out in the Bible verbatim. So a lot of these things would fall under the lawful, maybe, possibly, very likely, expedient, maybe, maybe not, edifying, now we keep whittling this thing down. We're using multiple strainers, and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Is it controlling? All right, well, I want to be funny here for a minute, so don't take this next bit too, too seriously, all right? But let's, a picture's worth a thousand words. So uh, if I was wanting to be brave and communicate that and how I dressed and, and so forth, and I wanted to just, I wanted to embody a heart of courage, loyalty, patriotism, bravery, etc. Maybe I would look like this. Huh? Now that's Mel Gibson with his face painted and some pretty cool hair. <clears throat> and I'm, this is no endorsement of Mel Gibson or the movie. But in this movie, Braveheart, he is playing, portraying the fiction, not fictional, the historical character, William Wallace, who uh, fought for freedom, and I guess he has a famous line, freedom! I think that's how it goes, something like that. And uh, he, he, he gives his life, gives his life, and it's epic, it's historical and amazing, and so maybe I say, I really want to embody all those virtues. So Sunday, I show up with my face painted blue, and white, and this cool, cool hair, and I just preach the word. Don't judge. Don't judge. I'm just over here about freedom, and I'm over here about courage, and, and you know, no? It's not going to work? Man, I was hoping. No, it's not going to Okay, see, things change from culture to culture, from generation to generation. If I showed up like that today, you might think I was in this band. Ouch. We'll move off of that real quick, okay? What about a rainbow, though? God gave us the rainbow. And, and there's a lot of people saying, take back the rainbow. Ken Ham is, is launching this thing to take back the rainbow and so forth, and I think it's great. God gave us the rainbow. It teaches us various things that are all biblical about uh, a God and his judgment and his mercy and that whole, that whole story. It's amazing. But did you know... When my family and I went to, on vacation down to Florida in the month of, of June, which happens to be Pride Month, we didn't wear rainbow shirts and rainbow paraphernalia. You say, oh, preacher, how terrible. You're ashamed to take your stand with God's symbol of mercy and judgment and, and, and all, what in the world? That's Genesis, man. Yes, it is, and I would love to wear a rainbow shirt if I could make sure that I was communicating without a mixed message. But since I can't preach everywhere I go, I'm wearing a rainbow that's Genesis, not the other rainbow. I don't want to live that. You know, I can't do that and order my hamburger and everything else, you know, we're doing. And so I'm going to probably not wear the rainbow shirt. 
Now that's, you might say, oh, what in the world? That, that, that's Bible. That's lawful. That's, that's, that's this God's word. God gave us the rainbow. Yes, but because I love people and I want to not offend my Christian brothers, I don't want to send a mixed message, I don't want to uh, offend those in the church, I don't want to also, um, I, the people I'm trying to witness to who are unsaved, I don't want them to get the wrong idea about what God believes about, in this case, homosexuality. So I want to be very clear that whatever I'm saying sends the, the message that I intend to send. All right. So what about, there's so many things you could go through here, so many things, right? You've got um, pianos. They were dance hall instruments banned from churches for years, right? There were um, uh, churches who wouldn't have any instruments and then the churches began to have instruments. Well, how do, we, how do we sort these things out? We are asking ourselves a question, what is it communicating in our day? What is it communicating in our day? And, and are, we, are we being effective as lights to our world and letting them know, uh, letting the world know effectively, uh, basically, I, I back up, not trying to, to, to uh, put any stumbling block to making the gospel clear. All right, um, this, is, this is the big point I want to get to before we close. A Christian needs to evaluate how he is presenting himself if he takes the following seriously. I am a light of the world. I am a child of the King. I am a co-heir with Jesus. I am an ambassador. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. These are important statements. You can't just say that doesn't matter. And if those things matter, then I need to pray and say, Lord, in 2023, America, where I am, what communicates this? And it's not going to necessarily be that we all come to the exact same conclusion. And that's okay. It keeps us all humble. It keeps us all looking to the Lord. It keeps us all uh, uh, prayerful and hopefully dealing with grace one with another, right? In our, in our own cultures, um, there have been those who have said, we're against beards. We're against beards. And I, when I preached in evangelism, there were some places that I went, and if I was to preach there, I had to shave. I had to shave my uh, my. For me, all I have is half a beard because I don't have uh, the, the, the thread count on the jaws to, to, to fill it out, okay? So don't judge. I'm a little patchy. Uh, but why did these guys say we're not going to do beards? Because in their area, they told me because of the hippie movement and so forth, they wanted to shy away from certain associations. They were trying to make a clear message. You can say, oh, that was ridiculous, that was wrong, why'd they do that, blah, 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 blah. You can say whatever you want to say about that. But they're trying to preach the gospel in a way that's clear and, and, and present themselves in a clear way. And if I come in there to preach and they, 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 I need to shave, I'll shave. It's not a big deal. And again, um, we, can, we can talk about all sorts of different things, tattoos, piercings, hairdos, and, and Christians argue about all of these things. But I think if we would humbly approach the scripture and say, Lord, I'm trying to take seriously the fact that I'm the light of the world 
I'm a child of the King. I'm a co-heir with Jesus. I'm an ambassador. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to have a clear message. And I want to clearly be able to be identified with that message. Then I believe God will help us to hone how he wants us to present ourselves. And again, it's not all about the presentation of ourselves. It's the presentation of Jesus. And I'm wanting myself to really be hidden behind that. It's not about my self-expression. I'm a, I'm a musician, sort of, but I was in an orchestra, loved it, and musicians are all about expression of a thought. And I loved that. But when you're in an orchestra, you're not a soloist. And you cannot just do your own thing. You have to be on time. You have to move with the orchestra, with the conductor, and you're together putting up a central message, but there's different instruments, different nuances, different individuals, but they come together. But on the whole, what are we trying to do? We're trying to hide ourselves in the bigger message. If there was a solo that was called for, that's fine. But otherwise, the conductor does not want me standing out. He wants me just blending in. It's not about so much. And if you think that this message is all about what Pastor Barber is all about, how we present ourselves and he got all over us, I hope you saw the lightheartedness of this. Uh, but there is a real place where this lands in our lives. We want to make choices that are thoroughgoing, thoroughgoingly about the gospel and about the message, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we ask questions about entertainment. Well, what am I doing? Is what I'm doing the best for me, for others? Is it edifying for me or for others? Fads and trends. Folks, we chase fads and trends hither and yon. But what does that say about us? What does it say? It says that we have to have the latest thing in order for us to feel our worth or feel uh, on the cutting edge or, or whatever. We are preaching a timeless message. Therefore, I don't personally think we need to chase fads and trends when we're preaching a timeless message. Never goes, in, never goes out of style, is always in style. And we just continue to see God use the gospel generation after generation after generation. Boy, I had a lot more I wanted to say. I'm going to have to probably do another message. <clears throat> Let me just say this. I think the last question was this. What does a dependency upon institutionalized discipleship say about your maturity level? In other words, if you have to have everything spelled out for you to the letter, that's not good. And that's not what this message is to do. This message didn't spell everything out to the letter. It didn't. If you take it that way, you missed it. I didn't spell anything out to the letter. I'm putting it back on the big picture. But when we have to spell everything out to the letter, it means our maturity level is not where it needs to be, where we can just love God, love his word, and let him guide us. Verse 31 of chapter 10 again, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We're going to differ on some things. Maybe you do beards, maybe you don't do beards, or you do a half a beard like me. 
I would love to do the whole beard. Ah, just can't, can't get there. You know, we're going to disagree or differ on certain things, but the bottom line is, it's not about me, it's about him and his message. I want to show love to others. I want to show uh, that my life is, is able to edify others. I want to make a choice that's lawful, expedient, edifying, and not given to be controlled by compulsions, but I have freedom to be able to minister. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we just make practical decisions in our daily lives. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for your goodness. We just pray that you would help us to be uh, channels that you can use. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.